Welcome back to a Mavs Outsider Podcast with your host, Dustin, doing a post-game pod for the Mavs uh, preseason game number two against the Orlando Magic. Um, it was a loss. Uh, they lost 110-105. Um, their only home preseason game. Uh, it actually, I'm doing this just after the game, so uh, it is a Friday night. And we'll talk about that, plus a few other things sort of going on around the league. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, of course, we're going to start out with this basketball game. Uh, Mavericks had a pretty much full complement of players tonight. Bertans was the one guy who did not play. Uh, I think he has a, a knee injury of some sort. Um, hopefully he'll be, you know, all right by the time... The season kicks off. Um, I, I don't expect him to get like a ton of minutes, obviously, when during the season. But you know, a guy like him, with his height and his shooting, you know, he it's a good you know sort of five to ten minute guy to bring off the bench if you if you need scoring or whatever. But anyhow, the starters, um, interesting enough, were Luca. Hardy, McGee, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Bullock. Uh, Hardy being the sort of surprise throw-in at uh, shooting guard. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to see what Hardy would look like with uh, playing with, you know, the pretty much the best players on the team, you know. And he did shoot. Uh, he had no problem shooting the ball. Uh, not a lot went in for him. Um, he... Only ended up scoring six for the night. He only made two shots, one of them being a three-pointer. So he, he had pretty somewhat of a rough night. Um, you know, he did have a nice pass to Josh Green on a fast break. Uh, one thing I did notice, and I, it's one thing I hear um, other people talking about when talking about Jaden Hardy was, is, or is his sort of inability to see other guys sometimes uh you know he he's, he's a scorer right and so when he gets the ball that's kind of what he's gonna do which isn't too bad obviously if if you're um sort of a i don't know a veteran but coming in <laughs> coming in you know and just firing off like he was i i don't know he he's gonna need a lot of uh, he's gonna need a lot of work on his game, which is fine. He's uh, he's a young rookie. He was a second round pick. I'm not knocking on him at all. Um, obviously, I, I want tons of success for him, but uh, you know, just somewhat of a rough game for him. Um, the two the two guys that shined, obviously, uh, Luca was in mid season form, only played 17 minutes, and Christian Wood, man, he was fantastic. Uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, sort of Christian Wood hate. I, I felt like after the Oklahoma game, a lot of people were talking about his defense being trash. This, you know, you you, you sort of got to look at it a, a couple ways. I thought tonight he was just fine defensively. This the game was kind of funny in itself. The first quarter was all Dallas, and. They they were just killing him. We weren't even sure what was going to happen there. I didn't even know what the score was going to be by the end of the game. But basically, the second quarter, 
Orlando could not miss a shot. And that was like that at the entire game. They just couldn't miss a shot. It was kind of crazy. I think they only scored like 10 points in the first quarter, and they scored 110 total. So they scored about three, 100 points in the last three quarters. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Um, their their three-point shooting was uh, kind of cra- – after the first quarter, it got a little crazy. Um Mobamba was one of the guys who just kept hitting. You know, he was three for four. Uh, you know, Terrence Ross was two for three. Paulo was two for four on three-pointers. So, Dallas, like I said, um, but Christian Wood, man, he I thought he was fantastic. He did not, to me, it didn't look like he struggled at all defending. I, I thought the pairing of Maxie and Christian Wood was great. Uh, you know, because you do get the defense you need from Maxi, and uh, sort of defending bigs, and it allows, I think, Christian Wood to get those weak side blocks, because I think that's what his strength is. If, it, you know, if he does have, like, a defensive strength, I think weak side block is sort of his, is something that he, he does well. He can, you know, it, he comes in, you know, while someone else is guarding, and just gets the block, and I, I think that's something that he, we, you know, he'll take advantage of playing with Max because Max is a really good individual defender. Um, one thing I noticed is he only had two rebounds. Uh, it, it was kind of funny the the highest rebounder for the game was Tyler Dorsey at five, and that's basically he probably you know he played the whole fourth quarter, but. Uh, you know, Powell had four, Hardaway had four, McGee had four. It was sort of, I, I think in the first quarter, the Magic weren't even getting up a lot of shots. And, you know, they were obviously missing a lot. And the first quarter sort of where all the rebounds came from. After that, since Orlando did not miss a shot, it seemed like, there weren't really any rebounds to get. But... Christian Wood with 23 points. Uh, he was three for six on his threes. He, it looks like, if my math is correct, he hit all of his twos. Um, I guess he did miss one two-pointer. My math was a bit off. He did miss one two-pointer. But I, I thought he did it all. He posted up. He faced up. He hit threes. He hit threes off the dribble. I thought he made some good passes. He ended up with uh, he only ended up with one assist, but you know they had that play where they swung the baller all the way around the court, and you know he was sort of part. Of, he could have stopped and shot it at the top of the three point line, but you know he swung it. Uh, Dinwiddie who then swung it around to Maxi. But I, I thought Christian Wood was fantastic. If you if you hated the Christian Wood trade, then I, I don't know what to. I don't know how to. I don't know how to convince you of anything because. I mean, you traded four guys who just weren't playing basketball for the Mavericks. They just weren't going to get any minutes. They're just, they've already, three of them had already been traded and one of them's already been waived. I mean, that's the kind of players they traded for Christian Wood. Houston fans, they thought, Houston fans thought they were going to get James Wiseman for Christian Wood. They were putting out all these trade scenarios for Christian Wood being traded to Golden State for James Wiseman. They ended up getting Chris, uh, Marquise Chris who has been traded already to Oklahoma City. So 
I, I think Christian Wood was a fantastic addition to this team. He's He looked like the second best player on the floor out there. It, it was pretty obvious. Now, I would have liked to have seen Dinwiddie play, or I, I'm, I'm excited to see Dinwiddie play, start with Luka. Um, I'm not sure why Hardy got the start, but I thought Dinwiddie played pretty well, and even though he had four points, um, he only played 18 minutes. There was a, not a lot of minutes going on this game. Uh, Hardy played the most, it looks like, with 19. Christian Wood played 19. Uh, Dinwiddie played 18. Everybody else was below that. Luca played 17. But between Luca and Christian Wood, Luca finding Wood in the paint, it, it just, that, that part of the offense, they just killed in the first quarter. Uh, it was, like I said, it was the second quarter. It was a little rough. I, I don't really know what happened. Once Christian Wood went out of the game, you sort of just had guys. One, one guy that, Obviously, everybody's excited about it was Josh Green. Josh Green had a really rough game. He was the, um, you know, I know people don't like plus minus. I, I get it. But if, if you're looking at plus minus, Josh Green was the worst for the Mavs. He was a minus 11. He only made one shot. Uh, you know, he had three rebounds. He did have a steal. But he he's a little rough, man. He, he had two turnovers. And it, it just wasn't the game you want to see from him. You know, when seeing Luca, Luca basically played the first quarter, and then he came in with around four minutes left in the second quarter. Obviously, I don't think that's. I, I think Luca's going to play the first whole first quarter, but I think he's going to come in a lot sooner in the second quarter. I think he's going to more come in in the eight minute mark. So if you're starting Luca, Luca and Dinwiddie, and then you're starting Dinwiddie in the second quarter, and you're probably keeping somebody like Christian Wood and Tim Hardaway in the game. I think you're going to be just fine. I think the scoring is going to be just fine. I, I They did, like I said, they did struggle, I felt like, in the second quarter to really get a basket, and it allowed Orlando to come back because Orlando just could not miss. You know, Hardaway, he struggled a bit with this shot. It is his first game back. He did have eight points. He was one for five on his threes. Um, Bullock was one for three. Bullock only played 14 minutes. Uh, Bullock played well. Dorian Finney-Smith, two for three on his threes. He only played 15 minutes. I mean, those guys, Dorian and Bullock are getting a lot more minutes than that. They're going to be guys who are reliable shooters. Um, Maxie's another guy. He only played 12 minutes. He was one for two on his threes, two for three overall. And, you know, it was good to see, you know, Maxie out there with Christian Wood and I, I just, like I said, I thought it was a great pairing. Um, JaVale McGee started the game. Uh, he only played 10 minutes. He did get an alley-oop from Luka, which was good to see. You know, something that you kind of saw a lot, a lot in the practice. And, you know, Orlando's got a lot of length. That's one thing Orlando does have. So I, I felt like they weren't doing that. They weren't doing the pick and roll very much. Um Obviously, you'll probably see that more as time goes on because I, I think that pick and roll with JaVale McGee is a, is a good play. It's pretty, almost a guaranteed bucket. Uh, JaVale McGee did take a three-pointer on one of Luca's behind the, or behind the, over-the-head pass, sort of behind him or whatever. Um, 
Luke also had a behind-the-back pass to Bullock, which if Bullock would have made it, it probably would have been on one of the EA, NBA's you know, top ten plays they do every night. But, uh, no, JaVel McGee had a decent game. Um, like I say, he had four rebounds. And he had, ended up with four points. He did get two free throws and he missed them. But it was his first game as well. I'm eager to see how that plays out. I'm eager to see how many minutes JaVel McGee does get. Uh, you know, one of the things they talked about is him playing like 15 to 20 minutes a game. And I, I think that's something that's going to change, or not change, but something that's going to be uh, looked at matchup-wise. You know, if they're playing Philadelphia 76ers, you're probably going to need JaVel McGee for a lot more than about 15 to 20 minutes, right? You're going to need JaVel McGee for around 30 minutes, right? But, you know, if you're playing a team like Oklahoma City, you're probably not going to need JaVel McGee but 15 minutes, right? You're, it's something that I, I think, you know, he is 34, I think they were saying, so he's a bit older. And you want JaVel McGee healthy in there for the playoffs because you're going to need his rebounding. You're going to need his rim presence. And you're going to want him fresh for the playoffs. And, you know, one of the things, and I, some of the people are excited about or like the JaVel McGee signing. Some people didn't. You know, I, I listened to other pods, obviously, and there was one with the guy who I, I think he does the Mavs money ball, the Kirk Henderson. And he's the most negative Mavs uh, podcaster, I, I think, that's out there. He's very negative on everything. And, you know, he's not... He's one of those guys who didn't sound like he was excited about the Christian Wood trade. He didn't sound like he was excited about the JaVel McGee signing. And I just sort of wondered, as I was listening to this, I sort of wondered if he even watched the Mavs games last year. And I know he did, but for me, one of the biggest problems with the Mavs last year was their front court. They had no front court. And... They their best front court player was probably Kristaps Porzingis until the trade deadline, and they got rid of him. And they got rid of obviously Willie Cauley Stein. And so basically, all you had left was Boban and Dwight Powell and Maxi. And Maxi, like I said, I like the reason one of the biggest reasons I like Christian Wood next to Maxi is that not only can they both shoot, but Christian Wood's also another big body who can alter and block shots, right? He, like I said, he's, he's not a great defender. I'm not saying he's a great defender, but he does have that ability to block shots. And that's one thing Dallas just did not have last year. I mean, going into the playoffs, you know, one of the things that, one of the reasons I believe Jalen Brunson got a lot of money was for his performance against Utah, right? Utah had no backcourt defense. So Dallas's guards had a heyday. Right, Luca, Dinwiddie, Jabronson, right? They just did what they wanted against Utah. But when it came to the Golden State series, Kevon Looney just did what he wanted against Dallas. You know, you can obviously you're gonna get thirty put on you by Steph, right? Clay's gonna put up twenty. It's it's the twenty to thirty points that they they got from Kevon Looney that just killed them because you can't make up for the fifth best player on the floor murdering you on boards. He's getting every rebound and getting putting it back with dunks. They they just Dallas had no answer for Looney, and that's not that's not a good recipe for success. To be, to get killed by a guy like Kevon Looney was just something that had to be fixed. 
and you know losing Brunson, I get it. It's tough, but you're going to get that offense from Christian Wood. You saw it tonight. You're going to get more than you know. He only played 19 minutes. He scored 23 points. I don't expect them to put up that kind of efficiency every night, but there's a pretty good chance he could score 20 a night. It's going to be pretty easy for him. He's on a team. He's playing with the best player he's ever played with. He's never played with a guy of Luca's caliber. Now, I do think he played with Giannis when Giannis was young. Um, I don't remember how long ago he was on the Bucks, but it was a young Bucks team that didn't make the playoffs, so that's how long ago it was. But Luca's the best player he's ever played with. He's going to get a lot of open shots. He's going to get a lot of opportunities under the rim by himself because Luca's attracting two and three guys. So I, I just think the way he played last night or the way he played tonight was something that, you know, is going to be pretty helpful when it comes to front court presence when you're playing a team, again, like Golden State. And the same thing with JaVale McGee. And that's just one of those things that I don't think people think about when they talk about that. All they look at with the Mavericks was losing Brunson. And I, you know... I think, you know, and also, you know, Brunson, Brunson was an okay defender, but Brunson wasn't this shutdown guy. So replacing Brunson's defense isn't like, you know, it's not like you're trying to replace the defense of Ron Artest, right? You're just, you're trying to replace the defense of a six foot guard. And Dinwiddie to me is the same defender as Brunson, except Dinwiddie's got length. So... All you're really looking to do is replace ball handling and scoring. And I think the scoring part's not a problem. Now, a lot of people want to talk about the ball handling. Uh, Starter-wise, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, is going to do fine handling the ball. Now, who's going to take Spencer Dinwiddie's spot off the bench handling the ball? That is sort of the million-dollar question with some people. I think, ideally, the Mavericks wanted it to be a combination of Josh Green, maybe Frank Nilakina, maybe even Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, Frank Nilakina sort of had a rough game tonight. I, you know, he he didn't look great. He had one or two positive moments, you know, hitting a three and taking a charge and stuff like that. But I will say this, in all fairness to Nilakina. I'm not trying to take up for him or anything. He was out there with sort of the garbage time guys, and not, no offense to kind of those guys, but you you sort of he he was probably the best player out there. And you when you're out there with other sort of bad players, your play sort of goes down. I, I feel that way. If Nilakina would have been out there with Christian Wood and Tim Hardaway. And Maxi, I think his night is different. I, I'm not, I don't know. I'm hoping that's how it is. I just, you know, when he came out there, there really wasn't much of starters left or starter caliber players or even a, like 10. I think he played with Powell. Um, you know, Powell played 12 minutes. He sort of played garbage time. And, you know, I do expect Powell to be out there with 
Luca at some times. Like I said, I think they do want to keep Maxie's minutes down. I think they do want to keep McGee's minutes down. Christian Wood's going to be the guy who he's going to get 30 minutes, I do believe. And, um, but I, I do see Maxie probably maxing out or, uh, at, at around the 20 minute mark. And like I said, JaVale McGee will probably get 15 to 20 minutes too. So you, you probably will see Dwight Powell for about 10 minutes a night, which, which is fine. And if you're doing it against bench players, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. You know, he still does. One thing he does, I noticed that some some of the other guys were struggling to do a bit, were throw screens. Uh, there was a guy defending Luca. I can't his name was Harris or something, and he he was playing some uh, pretty pretty tough defense. I, I thought he was doing pretty well, and it looked like Javel McGee was having a hard time setting a screen. I do think uh, a minute or two later, Tim Hardaway set the screen, and that's something that you know Tim Hardaway, I guess, knows how to do because he set a good screen. I thought he set a pretty solid screen, and the guy was off Luca in a second. And I, you know, it's sort of, I don't know. That's one thing I felt like Dwight Howard or Dwight Powell never had a problem with those the screen. Now sometimes he'd commit the offensive foul on it, but he was still he's still good at screening. But uh, you know he. He, I, I, I don't want to say anything bad about him. I know everybody likes him, or the team likes him and stuff like that. I just, you know, I hope that his contract in the offseason is more realistic to what his abilities are. Um, and I'll kind of leave it at that. But Nilakina, I, I would like to see Nilakina playing with. Uh, you know, better players. Obviously, we know what Nilakina can do defensively. We saw it in the sun, with the Suns last year. Uh, you know, is Nilakina going to be sort of delegated to sort of this 3 and D wing? He might be. You know, that was one of the things they talked about on this other pod. Uh, you know, he could be. I just, you know, you could have Hardaway handle the ball. I worry a little having Hardy to do it so early, um, especially with the sort of shoot-first mentality. Um, the one guy, the, the McKinley-Wright guy, he's he's been pretty decent. Um, he had an okay night tonight. I, his, obviously, against Oklahoma City, he was a lot better. But I, I don't know what Dallas is going to do about that guard spot. I, I don't know if they're going to take a look at Kimball Walker if he does ever get bought out. I sort of thought he was already bought out, but I, I guess he's not. Theoretically, if you could bring Kimball Walker off the bench for 10 to 15 minutes a game and you got him on a minimum deal, I wouldn't be against it. Um, it would have to be a minimum deal for one year. And I, I think he he's somebody that probably should only play 10 to 15 minutes a game. I don't think he's where he used to be in his career. He's aged. Um, he could probably be fresh on a night-to-night basis if he only played 10 to 15 minutes. And he's a guy that can handle the ball for you. He can get you some points. If he could average six to eight points a game, that would be just fine. I don't know if that's something that they're willing to do. Like I, I wouldn't be against it. Um, but like I said, it'd have to be a minimum deal for just this year to see what he could do, see if he could play, and sort of off the bench role, you know, come in, 
handle the ball, distribute if you have to, score if you have to. If you know, he is somewhat of a defensive liability. He's not somebody you can play for long periods of time. So, you know, when the playoffs came around, obviously he wouldn't get a lot of minutes because your your rotation shortens to like eight or so. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess I sort of want to see how it plays out with Neil Aquina. Um, like I said, Josh Green, he had a rough night, but I, I want to see it on a night-to-night basis. Um, you know, he had a good night against – Green had a decent night against uh, – I think he did. I actually can't remember how well he played against Oklahoma City, even though it was like two nights ago. But I, I think Nilakina, we already know who he is. I don't think you're going to get any surprises from him. And I, I think if you put him out there with with a couple, with a guy like Christian Wood and you know Tim Hardaway, he doesn't really need to do anything. He just needs to make sure the ball gets in the right spot. And I think Nilakina can do that. I you're not gonna get but about four points a game from Nilakina, so you're not gonna get off the bench scoring from him. You just need a guy who, like I said, who can get the ball to the right guy at the right time. And I I think that's something he can handle. And Tim Hardaway and Christian Wood scoring off the bench is gonna be plenty to cover what it needs to cover. And same thing with Maxi. Maxi can hit the open shot. Obviously, Josh Green, we're hoping, has improved and can get up to where he's scoring 8 to 10 a night, um, if we're lucky. So, And then when you get Bertans back, Bertans is a guy who you might be able to get 6 points a night from. So, uh, as far as the other guys, you know, I said Bullock obviously didn't play a lot. Dorian Finney-Smith, he didn't play a ton. You know, they hit some threes. They did what they needed to do. Um, Jaden Hardy came back and played in the fourth quarter. He didn't have the magic that he had in Oklahoma City. Sort of looked like he struggled a bit. Um, got fouled pretty hard. I thought it should have been a flagrant. Probably would have been a flagrant, but I don't know why they didn't call it a flagrant. He did get hit in the face, but it is what it is. Um, Tim Hardaway, like I said, it was his first game back. He hit a, hit a three-pointer. I think he got to the basket once and got a soft dunk, which was good to see. Um, him having two assists and four rebounds, I think that was really good. He only played 14 minutes. His minutes are obviously going to be a lot higher than that throughout the season. I think one of the things he talked about is he wanted to be a better defender, and if that's the case, I, I think you know that's good for Dallas. Because uh, I, I do think Tim Hardaway, if you're really desperate, Tim Hardaway can be somewhat of a ball handler I hate to I hate to give him those kind of duties because you know Tim Hardaway is a guy you need scoring and I, I don't know but I, I think in a desperate time but like I said this is sort of regular season problems because I think once the playoffs come Luke is going to be playing close to 40 minutes a game and those other eight minutes Dinwiddie's going to be your ball handler so I, I just to me it's a regular season problem I think that's one of the reasons they were so successful in the postseason obviously because you're not worried about having a ball handler when Luca's on the bench because Luca's only going to be on the bench for a couple minutes so you, you just don't worry about stuff like that um, overall I the first quarter was fantastic the second quarter was sort of a mixed bag uh, the, like I said, Orlando couldn't miss. Third quarter, 
Christian Wood's scoring was fantastic. His shooting was great. Uh, I felt like he gave you everything that we all we, we all wanted from Porzingis. He he was basically everything we thought Porzingis was. I felt like tonight, you know, he shot it from three. He f- faced guys up. He backed guys down. And the difference is he's probably a better rebounder. You know, Porzingis wasn't that great of a rebounder. And, um, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, I Christian Wood probably could start. I, I think they want to start him. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I feel bad for Jason Kidd on this whole thing. Um, like, they did promise McGee the starting job. But that was the only reason he signed here. The only thing I guess you got to do after that is you probably got to bench Bullock and start Wood. But... If Woods willing to come off the bench and play thirty minutes a game, I don't think he'll have a problem. Because uh, you're, I don't think you're. And I know one of the things he maybe may kind of referred to was being paid like a starter. And you know, I think what's his name, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero's like six man, and he just got like thirty something million dollars a year. So it's not kind of crazy to play pay a bench guy that. Now Christian Woods probably going to be a guy who's coming off the bench but playing starter minutes, right? He's probably going to play 30 to 33 minutes a game. I, I fully expect that, at least, right? And he's going to put up great numbers. He's probably going to have the second-best scoring for the Mavs. And, I, you know, hopefully it works out. Um this is the first time he's on a team that's going to make the playoffs, and Dallas is going to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter what Hollinger said. And, you know, that, that Hollinger, I, I never really cared for him. You know, he made up, he worked for ESPN years ago, and he had this stat that he made up, and it seemed like the stat was made up to, I don't know, make guys that he didn't like look bad and make players he did like look good. And,. He got a job with Memphis because of his numbers. And if you go look at Memphis's record, every year he was there, it got worse. Um, as he was there, they, they just got worse. They did until they ended up with the second pick in the draft and he got fired. Um, so I just don't – I think he over he overanalyzes things. I, I do understand that um, they use a lot of numbers now. And I, I just think you can overdo stats, right? You can you can look at a guy's numbers, advanced stats as they call them, and think this guy. To, and I think it's overdone. You know, one of the things that's annoyed me the most is you know mid range shots are bad. I just don't think mid range shots are a bad thing. I think mid range shots are fine because if you can't, if you're not a good three point shooting team, then how are you supposed to score? launch threes and hope they go in i don't know but i just i'm not a fan of hollinger and hollinger thinks dallas is going to be a play-in team part of the play-in tournament i just don't think that's going to be the case i think dallas is going to be way better than most people think they are um i don't know where they end up uh after seeing phoenix i i don't know what's the deal with phoenix i don't know if they're just going through the motions of preseason and then they'll sort of try to turn it on when the season starts, but they've been very lackluster in their first two preseason games. They even lost to an Australian team. It's been talked about, and I, you know, 
If Phoenix is the team that sort of falls in the standings, so be it. Uh, Golden State, obviously, everybody's seen that punch that Draymond threw at Jordan Poole. I, you know, I Golden State's got a big decision to make at the end of this coming up season because Jordan Poole is a free agent, and I do think there's going to be a team out there that throws a lot of money at Jordan Poole. And Golden State, I think, is going to have to decide between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole. You know, one of the things that came out is Draymond, I don't know if it was, it was something that somebody said, something along the lines of Draymond would, Luke is the kind of player that Draymond would love to play with. And I don't think Draymond ever said that he wanted to play with Luka. But that's what the quote-unquote rumors were, was Draymond wanted to play with Luka. And that's not really what it was. That's not what was said. I think what was said was a source said that Luka's the kind of player that Draymond would like to play with. So I just, I, I don't know if I have any interest in bringing in Draymond for $40 million a year. I, I just don't think he's... He's got a lot of value on Golden State. I get that. But I just don't think that same value is with really any other team. Because um, not other, any other team has a guard like Steph. Nobody has a guard like Steph. You know, you can think that Luke is better than Steph, which is fine. But Steph and Luke are two different types of players. They're two different kinds of players. They have two different styles. So there's, there's not another player like Steph. I know a lot of people want to c- compare Trey Young to Steph, but he's not. He never will be. And I, I just think Draymond's use is best in Golden State. And I, I just think with another team, he's a he's probably a $10 to $15 million a year player. And I know people tell me I'm dumb or whatever, but I, I just think his value is in Golden State. And I, I just don't think it's... It's really anywhere else, and I, I just I would hate to see Dallas give up something, you know, make that, you know, because one of the things they talked about was saving their draft picks. That's why they're, they're not really making any trades. They want to save their draft picks. After this season, they'll have all their draft picks because New York gets their draft pick this year, and they want to be in on the next guy who wants out of their team, and I, I just I would hate to see them trade four picks for Draymond Green. And I just don't think that's a good get. I really don't. He's aging. He's not as young as he used to be. He wasn't a guy who came in at 18. He was like he was in his early 20s. And I I just don't think that's a good get for Dallas. So, um, but you know he punched Jordan Poole. I, I don't know what's going on with Golden State. I don't know how they're going to. Uh, obviously, he apologized and everything's all hunky-dory, but, you know, guys still remember stuff like that. I, I don't know. But I, I, I do think Golden State will be fine. They'll probably finish with the top two record in the league. And, um, you know, they'll probably be there when, you know, around the Western Conference Finals when that time comes. So, uh, there were some other games tonight. Oh, I was going to talk about, uh, real quick, the, the end of the bench, guys, the, the fourth quarter. I, you know, Tyler Dorsey's the only one with a contract. He's got the two-way. I Man, he's, he's just not. I just don't think he's an NBA player. You know, 
for me, if I'm running a team and I get that and I get my two-way deals, I'm using my two-way contracts on an undrafted player who may have not done so great in the combines. Maybe he was a decent player for his team. Maybe it was Division three, whatever. Maybe he was a four-year player, just didn't get drafted. And I just use my two-way on a guy like that to see if he's somebody that can make your team. After you know, after spending a year in the G League, is he somebody that has a chance to make your team? And to me, you know, Tyler Dorsey's a guy. He's been he's been out of college for a while. He's played overseas for two or three years, and I just I think a guy like Dorsey is who he is. I, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to be an NBA player. I, I just think he's he he's just a guy who's a fringe. NBA player who probably would do best to go play in Europe. He'd probably make a lot of money there. He'd get playing time. And I, that's just what I think of that. You know, the, the Marcus Bingham guy, he didn't even play tonight. I don't know if he's still with the team or not. I, I didn't see anything on him. But like I said, I, whether that's whether it's him or not, I, I don't know. But he's the type of player. Whether You know, if it's a wing, a guard, whatever, right? I, I just... To me, you know, like Bingham's the guy. He's a four-year player. He wasn't drafted. You know, maybe you're going to need another big at some point. Give him a two-way deal. See if he can play a year in the G League. See what he's like. Have him come back for next summer league. Give him another shot in preseason. If he looks like he can play, give him a shot. If he's not, just move on. Move on to the next guy, right? And I, I just think that's the way you should do it. Bringing in a guy who's been around for three, four, five years, thinking that all of a sudden he's going to be an NBA player. I just think you're wasting that contract. Tyler Dorsey has shown me absolutely nothing in the first two games so far. And you would think a guy who's playing against other bad players, you know, the end of the bench guys for Oklahoma City, end of the bench guys for Orlando, if he's really worthy of that kind of deal, you know, he would stand out. But, you know, like Hardy stood out last night. Or the Oklahoma City, right? He struggled tonight. Obviously, he's a rookie. He's going to be inconsistent. But at least he stood out. So he, he's a guy that, you know, at some points, probably an NBA player. But nobody for the Mavericks have stood out. That, the, that guard, uh, right, he's, I thought, he had, I think Oklahoma City had 10 assists, no turnovers, you know. And he got a shot to play with some of the starters, and when he did, I thought he played well. He's a good defender. You know, he he's also been around, I think, a few years, but I do think he's a little younger than Dorsey. So I, I'm just for me, you know, the end of the bench guys haven't really done anything, and I, if I'm Dallas, I keep that roster spot open and see if something happens. The two, the other two-way contract. That's obviously they can give it to anybody. It doesn't matter. Those things are passed out like candy. But that open roster spot, I leave it open. So um, as far as other things going on, uh, you know, New Orleans played tonight, and I only bring them up because Zion played twenty minutes. Uh, he was five for ten 
I, I did start watching it, but once the Mavericks come on, I, f- I flipped it over. He was 5 for 10. He scored 13 points. Um, I thought, you know, New Orleans did get the win, but it is preseason, obviously, and they some guys didn't even play. Brandon Ingram didn't play. Herb Jones didn't play. CJ McCollum didn't play. So uh, they did play Detroit, who it was nice to see. Um, with uh, Kate Cunningham, I thought, you know, he only played 24 minutes, but, you know, Kate was good, man. He, he's going to be a good player. And Jay Nivey, he sort of struggled to shoot the ball. He did get nine free throws, which was kind of crazy. <coughs> but he was nine for nine. How do you like that free throw percentage? Um, I think Detroit's going to have a good team. And. You know, a lot of talk these last couple days has been about tanking for the first pick in the draft because we all know who it's going to be. It's going to be that Victor Wambayana or whatever his name is. Um, He's really impressed everybody at this Vegas uh, thing where they've been playing that G League Ignite team. And, you know, one of the things they've been talking about on the talk radio is how... Seeing him play, actually seeing him in person, you know, all the scouts know who he is, all the GMs know who he is, but all the fans and the owners actually seeing this guy play in person is probably going to change some kind of the dynamic of this season. And sort of what they mean by that is how teams react after the first month or two in the season. Now, for me, when I look at all the teams in the NBA, I, for me, a team like San Antonio is probably the worst team in the league. I just don't see anybody worse than San Antonio. The only t- other team I can think about that's probably worse than San Antonio might be Oklahoma City. Now, if Gilgis Alexander and Dort's playing, they're probably better. Uh, they are better than San Antonio, but the other team would be Indiana. And if Gilgis Alexander and Dort are playing, they're probably better than the some of the guys that Indiana is rolling out there. Indiana still does, you know, they have Miles Turner. Miles Turner hardly ever plays, so it's not like you have to worry about him. You know, they do have Buddy Hield and you know Halliburton, but Indiana is probably the second worst team in the league. And at some point, I do think Indiana will move on from. Buddy Hield and Miles Turner. Uh, Utah is another one. Now, the thing about the bad teams in the league, the way you got to look at them is a team like Detroit and Orlando are going to be at the bottom of the East, right? But they're, they're not there because they have bad players. They're there because they have young and inexperienced players. And I, I just don't think they want to go out there and lose a bunch of games on purpose and sit a bunch of guys out because you start creating this losing mentality, and I just don't think they want to do that. Uh, Indiana just doesn't have the talent, right? You just You're going to go play Indiana, and you're probably going to win. San Antonio is the same way, and I, I do believe San Antonio could have a historically bad record. And it, it mostly is due to the fact that there's so many really good teams in the NBA 
And even then, like I said, even a team like Orlando and Detroit, who's not as good, they're capable of beating anybody on any night because they've got young talent. And all it takes is for one of those guys or two of those guys to get hot and hit all their shots, and you've got to win, right? Dallas lost some. Dallas lost to Oklahoma City and Orlando at the end of the season last year when they were like the second hottest team in the league, and they lost to both Detroit. Or, or not Detroit, they lost to Oklahoma and Orlando. So it was back-to-back games, I think. So, um, like I said, anybody can beat anybody on any given night. But San Antonio is going to have a hard time being one of those teams who can go out and beat somebody because they just don't have the talent. Oklahoma has some talent. Um, how many games is Gilchrist Alexander going to play? How many are they going to want them to play? Lou Dort's a really good player. Uh, you know, they... They're going to miss Chet. They could have used them. They're probably... I, I think the way it is, the top... The the lowest four teams have the same odds. So if you're... If you're a bottom four team, that's probably fine. And I think Oklahoma City will probably be there. I think Houston's better than Oklahoma City. But the other team is Utah. I think Utah still has too many good players. And... I, you know, the asking price for Clarkson and Conley are probably too high. And I'd be willing to bet after seeing that Wimbayana guy play, I, I do think the asking price for some of these guys is going to go down. I think the asking price for Clarkson, for Conley, for uh, Buddy Heald, for Miles Turner, I, I think asking prices are going to drop because... I think those two teams want to be as bad as they can. I, I think they want to be one of the three, four best, worst teams in the league so that they have that shot to get that number one pick. And right now, I, I just think Utah is too good. I think they have some players on there that make them better than a team like San Antonio. I think it makes them just as good as Oklahoma City, probably just as good as Houston. And I, I think they want to be worse. So I'd be willing to bet come December and January, you're probably going to see Clarkson get moved to a team who's looking for some bench scoring. And you're probably going to see him get moved for something minuscule. Uh, who, you know, depending on that team, like... I'd be, you know, like the the offer I think Indiana said they would take for Westbrook uh, and the Buddy Hield, and uh, it was Buddy Hield and Miles Turner for Westbrook, and they wanted the two first round picks, the twenty twenty seven and twenty twenty nine first round picks from L.A. I wouldn't doubt if they dropped that to, you know, by the time. December, January rolls around. I wouldn't be shocked if that price dropped to just Westbrook in the 2027 pick. And I, I just think they want to be really bad. Now, another team that might not be that good is Charlotte. Charlotte lost their second best player. Miles Bridges isn't going to play this year. Whether he'll play again or not ever, I have no idea. That's actually up in the air that's a possibility he was their second best player that's just how it is he was a borderline all-star and he's not going to be there um they don't have Montrez Harrell anymore he's in Philly and they just they 
you know, they got Dennis Smith Jr. I, I don't know if he's exactly, uh, you know, excites everybody, but I, I just don't think Charlotte's going to be that good. And, you know, DSJ, he didn't even play. He wasn't even there. It was for personal reasons. You know, they, they still have Terry Rozier. They still have LaMelo Ball. And they have Kelly Oubre Jr. and P.J. Washington. And, you know, those are pretty decent players. Um, I, I, I do think that if... If if Charlotte Charlotte could be worse than Detroit or Orlando, and it just wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising. Um, all it takes is somebody like Lamelo or Rogier to miss, you know, a month of basketball, and all of a sudden you're just you're just bringing guys in. And you know, I, I sort of feel bad for Charlotte, but. I do think Charlotte's going to be one of those teams who's trying to get into that, you know, come December, come January. If Charlotte's not good, you know, do they make a trade? Do they trade Kelly Oubre to someone and just try and get worse? You know, do they trade Terry Rozier to someone maybe? Try and get worse? I don't know. And... You know, it's something to keep an eye on because they're they're just not going to be a good team. And unfortunately for them, you know, everybody talks about Dallas losing Brunson for nothing. They're going to lose Miles Bridges for nothing. And they've got to figure that out. And I I just uh, I think they're going to get a top five pick at this point. So it's unfortunate for them. And so be it. You know, there's, I think the Wizards are too good to fall that far. He, obviously, you're probably going to get an injury to Porzingis at some point. Beal hasn't exactly been the healthiest person. You know, could could the Wizards try and tank? I don't know. I think the Wizards are too good. If I'm, you know, the they, I think they said there are seven teams who don't have their picks. Next year, they've traded them already. I, like Milwaukee was one, and uh, Minnesota's another. They don't have their pick. Um, or They're unprotected because Dallas doesn't have their pick, but their pick is protected. I think it's like a top. Uh, that's one of the things they were talking about with Dallas. If they, if they trade their 2025 pick, they have to remove the protections from the 2023 pick. And those protections are still there. So, like the Lakers, though, are a team that they don't have their pick next year. It's a pick swap with New Orleans. New Orleans is probably going to have a better record than the Lakers, so they're probably going to use that pick swap. But if the Lakers, oh man, if the Lakers were to miss the playoffs and get in the lottery and win the lottery and get the number one pick and it goes to New Orleans, that. Heck, if it, if it's even a top four pick and it goes to New Orleans, that's gonna be something to see. That's gonna be a sight to see. But I do think their teams um, in the West. I think it's only those four teams that are back because I, I think Sacramento wants to make the playoffs. Portland, I think, wants to make the playoffs. The Lakers want to make the playoffs, 
And I think those are the three teams that are sort of one of those three teams is going to get the 11th spot. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I believe it's going to be one of those three. I believe everybody else is better than they are. And so two of those teams will make it to the play-in, and one won't. And the Utah, Oklahoma City, Houston, and San Antonio, they're just not going to make the playoffs. And, you know, Indiana's the, a team in the East, I think, that's going to be bad. They want to be bad. Orlando and Detroit... They're going to have a bad record, but they're trying to win. And then Charlotte, I think they want to win, but they're not going to be good enough. So I don't know where Charlotte's going to be. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I don't think there's a fringe team that would be willing to tank to try and get better odds. I, because I, I just think... Indiana and San Antonio, and like I said, even Utah, they've done a good job of being really bad. And if the only way some other team is going to look like them, it's just pretty much going to be egregious at that point. And the league will probably not allow them to get the, you know. They say the, the lottery is done all fair and square, but I trust me, if a team's really trying to lose and they want to, you know, move that pick back, they'll move that pick back and not tell anybody. Um, I'm a conspiracy theorist in that. So, um, there's been a lot of uh, guys we see playing. Um, you know, I talked about in my last pod. You know, Kawhi and Ben Simmons and Murray. Murray was an interesting um, one. I, you know, he yeah he, he looked a little slow the last game. He played 13 minutes today. He didn't score, or he got two points, but he didn't make a shot. He just got two free throws. If Murray starts slow, I'm eager to see where Denver finishes. Um, you know, they could, I think they could uh, finish behind Dallas. Uh, you know, there's this other pod I was listening to. It's that No Dunks. They were doing their over unders on um, wins for some of these teams. I think they were going by Vegas numbers or FanDuel numbers or whatever it is. And a couple of the guys did have Dallas over Denver because I think Denver's the team that Dallas gets compared to a lot. Or, yeah, Denver's the team that Dallas gets compared to. And I think Memphis is in there as well. I think a lot of people think that the Clippers, Golden State, and Phoenix are sort of the top tier. And then it's like Dallas, Memphis, and Denver are basically the second tier. And I, I think Dallas is going to be. I think if Dallas gets off to a hotter start than Denver, because Denver, I'm curious to see Jamal Murray, how he starts out. Now, Michael Porter scored 20 tonight. He was 8 for 17, 4 for 8. He seems like he's just in midseason form already at 7 rebounds and 2 steals. Um, you know, he is a guy that they're really going to need to play well for them to do well. I do think, you know, getting Bruce Bowen and... The uh, Catavius Caldwell Pope were really good gets for them. And along with Jokic, I, I think they do have a chance to be good, but I think they I think they're gonna be better later in the season before you know, rather than early in the season. And if a team like Dallas can take advantage of that, you know, they can finish higher in the standings. So um a guy I wrote today, I, I guess he's does the a Memphis pod, he thought that Jaw was the best player 
under 25 or something. He thought Jaw was number one. You know, I, I, I do. I and this is going to sound a lot like Jaw hate. I, I don't want it to sound that way, but there's just a lot of questions I have that uh, about Jaw Moran. I, I think Jaw Moran is a good player, but what he brings more than anything, I think, is excitement. You know, I, I don't think you can overlook the fact that they were 19-2 and two without him. I, I think that's a major thing. I, I, I don't think it's like, oh, you know, like, you know, the Mavericks, they were, I think, 8-9 and nine without Luka. And I think three of those wins, the last three games were wins. Um, I think these are regular season games, too. The last three games they played without Luka were all wins, and that was with Spencer Dinwiddie. So, you know, when your best player's out and you're, you only lose two games out of 21, that's a large sample size. I, I think I did the calculation. The record with John Morant was like 37, 36-24. and 24. And that's still a good record. It is. But... Man, just to be at such a high winning percentage without him. And I, I think the difference is, for one, they have a quality team. For two, they got a quality coach. Uh, I think Jaron Jackson is a guy who was a big part of what they did. And I think he's out right now. So I'm curious to see how that goes to start the season. Dallas plays him like their second game or something. I don't know if Jaron Jackson's going to play. But one of the things they do is they do empower their guys to score, and they run a system that works for them. And, you know, Dylan Brooks is a quality player. Desmond Bain's a quality player. Uh, even Tyus Jones, they, they just, they're good players. And I think what it is is when John Morant's not there, they're better at defensively. Uh, John Morant is a small guard who's sort of a defensive liability. I know people like to point out his blocks or whatever, but just because, you know, just like I said with Christian Wood, just because you're a good shot blocker doesn't mean you're a good defender. You know, it was like Allen Iverson had a lot of steals, but he wasn't a lockdown defender. He just got a lot of steals. He played passing lanes and stuff like that. He was a smart player defensively. He, He wasn't necessarily a great player defensively. John Morant isn't a great player defensively, and I think when he's out, it allows them to probably play bigger. I, they probably start, I, I don't know what they do, they probably start Bain and Brooks at the guards, and, um, you know, Brandon Clark or something plays instead of um, John Morant, and so y- you get better defensively. And like I said, they just empower their guys to score, and they, they can score. And I just, you know, for me, obviously, I'm a homer. I get it. I'm going to say Luka on everything. If you don't think Luka's the best player under 25, then you just haven't watched basketball in the last six, seven years. So it is what it is. Guys are going to have stories like that. And, you know, like I said about Hollinger. He has them in the play-in tournament. It's, he's just never watched basketball. I think people have overrated Brunson's role on the team. And like I said, it's no knock at Brunson. I just think people didn't see Dallas's weaknesses. All they saw was Brunson 
playing against Utah. They didn't see their weaknesses when it came to playing Utah or playing Golden State or even playing Phoenix. Phoenix went seven games. That was a tough series for them. Um, it was the the Golden State game that really showed their lack of size and the fact that they were able to bring in two big guys and two big guys who could play, especially a guy who can score like Wood, uh, Christian Wood. I just think they're a better team. I think they're a deeper team this year. I think they have more quality. Um, like I said, the four guys they sent off for Christian Wood are were guys who just didn't play. And I think what you're going to get from Christian Wood, I think what you're going to get from JaVel McGee, and I know people eye-roll at it, but you know Tim Hardaway not being there the last five months of the season is some, is a big deal, and having him is... It's kind of... I, I see what they're saying. It's kind of like having a free agency, free agent come in. I get that. I see what they're saying. But if you're going to say the Mavs at the end of the season and then the Mavs at the start of this season, yes, you didn't have them at the end of the last season. So having... Wood, McGee, Hardaway, and a more confident uh, Josh Green. And like I said, we haven't really seen it yet, but I I'm not going to give up on it um, just yet. I want to, you know, when the games start, and he's out there with Luka and stuff like that, um, I, I just think that's better than what you're getting from Trey Burke, Sterling Brown, Marquise Chris, and Boban. I mean, you just... Trey Burke, to me, is not an NBA player. Once his contract's out, you will not see him in the NBA anymore. Boban, I know people loved Boban, but he's he's just not an NBA player. He doesn't fit in what the NBA wants to do today. And, you know, Marquise Chris was a guy who's at home, and Dallas called him and he signed, right? He, he wasn't even a guy that had a team at the start of last year. Anybody could have had him. And then Sterling Brown, while he was decent with Houston a couple years back. He really struggled with Dallas. Now, Sterling Brown's been waived. He's available. Um, I don't think Dallas... I would rather Dallas keep that spot open than sign Sterling Brown. But if they were desperate, if they had an injury and you needed to bring somebody in, at least it's a guy who knows the system and the players. I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not interested in bringing him in. I'm just saying he's there. So... They've definitely upgraded their team. Dallas has. They're definitely deeper. Uh, you know, Hardy, for me, even though he is young and he did struggle a bit tonight, I do think he's better than Trey Burke will ever be. I'm sorry. I, I just think he is already. And, I, again, that's probably an overreaction. You know, Trey Burke had his moment in the bubble. I get that. Trey Burke had his moment at Michigan. You know, he was a high draft pick by, I think, Utah or something. But I, I just don't think Trey Burke did them did anything for them. And I think Hardy's better than him. He's bigger than Trey Burke. He's probably a better shooter than Trey Burke. And I, I just, I like what you get from Hardy than you do Burke. And you're not even going to get a lot you're not even going to see a lot of Hardy as much as you think you might this year. So I just think Dallas is deeper, though. And I think they're a better team. They got a better front court. 
you got a lot of pressure off of Maxi with Christian Wood out there with them and JaVale McGee out there with them. He's not out there with the White Pal anymore. And or out there by himself for that matter. So I'm excited about the season. They don't play again until next Friday. I probably won't do a pod until next weekend because they don't play. Um, there's really, unless there's something to talk about, I just don't think there's anything to talk about unless I come on here and just talk about other teams. And I find that, uh, I will say I find that those pods don't do so well when I'm not talking Mavericks, if I'm talking about other things. So um, I probably won't do another pod unless something happens like the Mavericks make a crazy trade. And like I, said, I don't think that'll happen. I'm just saying, for example, that would be the only reason I would make a pod um, probably next week. It probably won't be till after their third preseason game. We'll see how they play, and we'll you know go from there. But uh, until next time, if you want, you can rate and review the podcast, wherever it is you get the podcast. Leave five stars, thumbs up, whatever it is they do on wherever you get your podcast. It really helps um, with algorithms and junk like that. But uh, other than that, we'll see you later.